This is the I Will Teach You a Language podcast, episode two. Welcome to the I Will Teach You a Language podcast, weekly motivation and language learning tips to help you become fluent in any language. Now, here's your host, Ollie Richards. Welcome back to the I Will Teach You a Language podcast. This is episode two, and in this episode, as promised, I'm going to give you a, I'm going to tell you a story, a bunch of stories about my own language learning history and how I've managed to learn a, a fair few languages myself. Now, as you know, this is this podcast is going to be a question and answer podcast. I'm going to use each episode to answer your language learning questions. And all of that is going to start from next episode, from episode three. But I did want to take the time in this episode to talk a little bit about my background and, and my language learning history, because it's something that gets asked a lot. And so I wanted to have this 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 one episode here so that you can, so, you know, so I can kind of lay out and just let you know how I've, uh, how I've managed to learn these languages myself. Because Hopefully, as you'll hear it, it's not rocket science. A lot of it comes down to persistence and time. So, yeah, it all started uh, for me when I was 19 years old. I was living in London at the time. I was going to university and I, I studied uh, jazz piano at university, believe it or not. And um, at the time, I I just finished my first year at university and I, you know, I didn't speak any languages at all besides English, obviously. A tiny little bit of French and German that I'd learned at school, but nothing worth uh, speaking about. So I was your kind of typical monolingual English guy living in the UK, didn't speak any other languages, didn't particularly have an interest in learning any other languages. But that all got shaken up one day when my girlfriend, who I'd been with for about two years, decided that she didn't want to be with me anymore. And I took it really, really hard. It really kind of shook my life up in the way that these things tend to do and I just kind of felt at the time that I needed to just change things up do something a bit different so I ended up asking the direct the director at my university whether I could take some time off actually take a, a year out from from studying and he very kindly for some reason agreed that I could do it so I took a job in a in a in a cafe for a while I was working as a barista in a in an espresso bar. And when I was there, that was a very formative time, I think, because even though I only worked there for a couple of months, I met people from all over the world. There were people from Sweden, from France, from Italy, from Spain, from Brazil. And so suddenly I just got this glimpse of what is out there, outside the UK. And it really kind of piqued my interest. After a while, I kind of got uh, sick of that job and of kind of living in London without much of a, a purpose and I decided that I wanted to go and live in Paris so in the typical fashion that you can only do when you're when you're 19 and not very sensible I actually bought a one-way ticket on the Eurostar and I went to live in Paris I had a bit of money saved up for my job and I checked myself into a youth hostel and then just started going out around Paris and getting to know the um the city. Now, obviously, Paris is not that far from the UK. It's only a couple of hours on the train. But at the time, for a 19-year-old, it felt like a huge adventure. And it was a huge adventure. My French was, was hopeless at the time. But I wanted to learn. And obviously, being there in Paris, learning French seemed like the obvious thing to do. I think the time when it really uh, changed for me was after a few weeks, 
I started started to run out of money and I wanted to get a job. And the owner of the hostel where I was staying said to me one day, you know, I've got a friend who owns a hostel up in Montmartre, which is in the north of Paris, and he's looking for someone to work on reception. So why don't we go and have a chat and see if he's interested? So we went to have a chat and he gave me a job interview there on the spot in French. And it was one of those moments that, you know, you've got a choice. You kind of know how important it is. So you either go with it or you or you kind of turn and run. And so he, as he was giving me this tour of the youth hostel in French, I was just, you know, I was understanding maybe 20, 30% of what he was saying. He was asking, he was telling me things and I was just kind of nodding and saying, oui, je comprends, je comprends. And um, I didn't comprend a lot of the time. I didn't understand a lot of what he was saying. But for some reason, due to stubbornness of some kind, I just persisted. And he ended up giving me the job. I think he probably had doubts about my French, but you know, I only had to use French for a bit of the time whilst I was working there initially. So he kind of he, he took a chance on me, and well, am I thankful that he did? So I took this job working nights at this at this youth hostel, and again, I had one of those experiences where all of the people who came to the youth hostel were from all over the world. You know, there were Argentines, Japanese, Spanish, American. And so I just started again to listen and hear to all these languages being spoken. My French was progressing quite slowly, but one day there was a guy who was walking past the youth hostel, and he, a French guy, and he just came in and said, Hi, uh, are, you, um, are you learning French by any chance? And I said, Yes. And he said, Cool, well, I'm learning English. How, you know, do you fancy getting together and just spending a bit of time speaking in French and English and help to teach each other, each other uh, the language that we're learning? And I said, yeah, cool, that sounds like a good idea. So we started meeting a few times a week over coffee, talking for an hour in French and an hour in English. And this was my first exposure to what I now know is called a language exchange. My French skyrocketed after that because I just had the chance to talk regularly and get corrected by a native speaker. And so I was only there in, in Paris for about six months. But during that time, I really, you know, by the end of it, my French was pretty good. And I, I certainly conversationally fluent. And I, I left there feeling pretty good about the language. After that, I, I went to Italy. I had a friend who I'd met in the cafe in London back in the day. And he had invited me to go and stay with him in Italy. So I did. And I went there, this beautiful town up in the north of Italy by the mountains. And I stayed there for a few weeks and there wasn't much to do and he was working during the day. So I spent my time in the mornings sat outside uh, with this beautiful view of the Alps and I was kind of reading uh, Italian textbooks and grammar books. And then after lunch, I'd sit there for the whole afternoon and speak Italian, you know, fledgling Italian with his mother. And she was uh, more than happy to, to kind of humor me. And so I'd have this two or three hour language exchange, except it wasn't an exchange because we'd just speak in Italian every every afternoon for two or three weeks. And then in the evening, I'd go out with, with Claudio and his friends listening to Italian, trying to speak Italian. And after a period of about three weeks, I stayed there for three weeks. And after that time, I was already able to, to hold a pretty good conversation. And that was a really... That, that that experience made a really strong impression on me because I, I realized that, wow, with some quite dedicated, intense work, you really can learn 
a language in a matter of weeks if it's something that's familiar to you. Obviously, the French helped me a lot, and I'd just been going through the whole language learning process with French. And of course, my Italian was still riddled with mistakes, but I was able to hold a conversation and enjoy my time speaking with, with native speakers. Now, after that, I, went, I left Italy and I went back to London and I went back to, to university. I, I, took, I went back into the second year of the degree that I was taking. And then whilst I was there, I, I met a bunch of people from all over the world. But one of those was um, a guy from Spain, from the Canary Islands, who his name was Tomas who became my best friend, and I spent all my time with him, pretty much. He was more interested in music than he was in languages, and although we did speak at English when we first met, I was really keen to learn Spanish, and uh, he, before long, kind of gave up on English. So I was in a situation there in London when I was basically speaking, a lot of the time, more Spanish than English every day. And so obviously, over the period of a few months, my Spanish got quite competent. And after six months, a year or so, I was very, um, very fluent in the language, uh, certainly able to hold long conversations on a, on a variety of, of topics. And again, that came from just having this, the, this huge fortune of meeting someone who became a close friend. Uh, the year, the following year, I then met a bunch of Brazilian people, also through friends related to the university, and I really I got on with these guys really really well, and they introduced me to the whole world of of, of Brazil and Brazilian music. And as anyone knows who's who's who knows about Brazil, it's so infectious you can't help but ignore it once you once you uh, start to get to know Brazil. So having learned French, Italian, Spanish already, I was fairly confident about my ability to learn Portuguese. And so I set about learning it. Now, my friends were very proficient English speakers, so it wasn't very easy to speak to them in Portuguese. Uh, they would kind of humor me by teaching me a few words. But basically, you know, it's very difficult to you, to rely on friendship, I think, to learn a language unless they don't speak your own mother tongue, you know. So what I did was I I went, I said about asking them and other Brazilians who I'd met, I'd say to them, you know, I'm looking, I want to learn Portuguese. So do you know anyone who's learning English who might be up for doing a language exchange? And of course, they put me in touch with people. And then I would start to, to meet these new language exchange partners a few times a week in London. And just speak Portuguese. I wouldn't, I didn't even have a textbook. At, at that time, there wasn't actually a very good Brazilian Portuguese textbook available, uh, believe it or not. So I just did the language exchanges. I spoke and spoke and spoke every week. And obviously, if you, if you, if you don't know, Portuguese is very, very similar to Spanish and, and Italian. And so I was able to, to pick it up fairly quickly. And then, um, you know, within six months or so, I was quite comfortable speaking Portuguese too. Then for the next few years, I went to Brazil many times to visit my friends in Brazil and, you know, obviously then met more people there and went traveling around the country. And so after a year or two, I was, I was, I was very, very comfortable with Portuguese. Now, this, obviously, it may sound like a lot for, for languages, but they're all very closely related, French, Spanish, Italian, Portuguese. If you spend a lot of your time, if you're lucky enough to have the time and the right conditions, you it's fairly easy to pick up these languages because of their of their 
um, similarities and their shared roots. The next experience I had really shook that up for me, and that was when I went to live in Japan. I was about 28, 28, 29 when I went to live in Japan, and I I got a job in in Japan, so I, I was flown out there, and I remember th- being full of confidence before I went, thinking, oh, you know, I, I speak four or five languages, it won't won't be any trouble at all to learn Japanese. But man, was I wrong. Uh, Japanese was extremely hard for me because, partly because it's such a different language from anything else. Japanese has its own world in terms of meaning and vocabulary and, 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 and everything. It's very, very different from European languages. But also because I realized that I, when I'd learned uh, Italian, Spanish, French, I had relied on having a social network around me, and that was what helped me learn reasonably quickly. In Japan, I didn't have that. Japan's a very different... It's, it's a difficult place to live, and it's qu- relatively difficult to make Japanese friends who don't speak English. Our cultures are quite quite distinct, and it took, and it took me a number of years before I found that I actually had friends who I could speak to in Japanese. So... I was there in a situation where, although I was living in the country, I had to learn the language all by myself, independently. I may as well have been living in Timbuktu, basically, because I was there fairly isolated. All my friends were English speakers. So I was faced with this fundamental challenge of how do you learn a language independently on your own without that social network? And it was in Japan when I really figured out what independent language learning is all about. I I won't go into detail about about how I ended up um, getting to a good level in Japanese. But essentially what it was, was I got to a point where I said, okay, I'm just not improving. I need to change things up. So I thought back to when I had learned Spanish and I thought, well, you know, it's this social network that did it for me. So I went out and I found people to speak to in Japan and I started speaking. And then over the course of a few months, my, my level in Japanese doubled I became quite comfortable uh, speaking and and you know and the rest is history after Japan I moved to I got transferred to Qatar which is in the Middle East next to uh, sandwiched very nicely in between Saudi Arabia and Iran and I was hoping to learn Arabic whilst I was there but as it happened I didn't learn any Arabic at all partly because English is the language that's mostly spoken there there is a lot of Arabic but it's all from different dialects so unless you've got some kind of foundation it's very difficult to know actually what dialect of Arabic to choose in the first place so I kind of gave up I I had big motivation problems there because mainly because it didn't really make sense to be learning Arabic in that situation However, around the same time, and this had been going on for a while, I became I became very interested in in, in Cantonese and Cantonese culture. Uh, for a, for a number of reasons, I particularly like uh, Cantonese uh, movies and film, uh, TV series and things like that. The food is just to die for. So I, partly because I was think I was actually a little bit a little bit lonely when I was in 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 Qatar, I decided to take on Cantonese, and so I had this experience again of having to learn a completely new language in a completely different context. You know, learning Cantonese in the Middle East is, is, is it's a crazy thing to do. Um, my desire to learn it really pushed me through. But that was an extremely useful learning experience because, again, without anybody around me who spoke Cantonese to me, without the culture there to support me and to motivate me, I had to figure out how to do it all by myself. 
So this was my my sixth foreign language, and it was it was really difficult. But again, it was a very formative experience, very useful experience in terms of learning how to learn independently. After a year and a half in Qatar, I then got transferred to Cairo in Egypt, where I am now. I'm talking to you live from my living room in Cairo. I don't know if you can hear some of the noise on the street, clattering and banging and stuff. Uh, that's the sound of Cairo. And suddenly I found that moving to a place where one dialect of Arabic is spoken, which is Egyptian Arabic, and having a bunch of Egyptian people, local people around me, suddenly I found my motivation to learn Arabic just spring back up from nowhere. And I started learning Arabic with a passion, and I've been learning now for about four or five months since I arrived in in uh, Egypt last September. And, you know, I've, I'm finding that, again, it's a new situation. And, I, and I, again, I'm learning about how I learn, how I can learn best in this situation. So, so that, that's it. That kind of brings us to the present day. It's my, my seventh foreign language. I I never know actually whether I should, do I speak seven languages or eight languages? I always feel a bit unsure what I should say, because obviously if you include English, then I speak eight languages, but some, somehow I kind of feel that that's slightly misleading because it gives the impression that I've actually learnt eight foreign languages, which, which is not the case. I've learnt seven foreign languages eight including including English but nevertheless that's we are where we are and so yeah that so that's it I am learning how to learn all of the time that's what it's all about for me it's it's a journey about learning not so much the language itself but learning about the culture what the language means to me what the language brings to my life brings to me personally and um, as I was saying to some people the other day in, in a Google Hangout you know ultimately learning a language is something that has to make sense for us if you ever find yourself asking you know what's the most useful language to learn what language should I learn you're asking the wrong question think about what language is most relevant and most interesting most passionate for you right now and how can you integrate it into your life that's what it's all about for me and so I hope this has been interesting I know I haven't talked exactly about how I've gone about learning all these languages we will get into that in plenty of detail from the next episode episode three where we will talk about we'll start answering people's questions people's problems about language learning Now, at the end of every episode, I like to recommend an article or a tip or a resource of some kind that can keep you tied over until the following week and can keep you motivated. And today, I'm going to do something a little bit cheeky, which is to recommend one of my own articles. And the reason I'm recommending this is because it's all about how I've learnt these seven languages that I've learnt. And it includes lots of videos of me speaking those languages. So to find this article, go to the show notes, which is at... Uh, which are at IWillTeachYouALanguage.com forward slash episode two. That will direct you to the show notes for this page with a link to this article. The article is called How I Learned Seven Languages. So <laughs> it does what it says on the tin. And so, yeah, go over, have a, have a, look, have a read of that. Have a look at some of the videos. Uh, hopefully that will get uh, help you to get to know me a little bit more uh, if you haven't already seen that. Now, 
I'm to celebrate the launch of the podcast. I'm giving away three copies of my language learning foundations video course. It's an awesome course where I walk you step by step through exactly how I learn foreign languages. It's aimed at people who are learning a new language for themselves. And again, it, it's step by step covering the exact techniques that I use when I'm picking up a new language. Everything from how to find the right resources to understanding native speakers to planning out your your study week to staying motivated. It's the the complete package. And I'm giving away three of these courses. It's the top tier of the course. It's worth $97 each. And if you'd like to be in with a chance of winning one, it's very simple. All you've got to do is go into iTunes, search for the I Will Teach You a Language podcast. Hopefully this will this podcast will pop right up. And all I'd like you to do is to leave me an honest review and hopefully five stars, but feel free to, to add an honest star rating if you don't agree with that. So leave me a review with your name. And then after the 10th episode of the I Will Teach You a Language podcast, I'm going to choose three people at random from across the world, and they're going to win a copy of the course. So that's it. That's the the story of what the brief history of my language learning. I hope you found it interesting, and I'll see you in the next episode, episode three of the I Will Teach You a Language podcast. Have an awesome week.